Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, please bring them to me and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them near him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. So Joseph brought them from beside his knees and bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right and, and towards Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand, and brought them near to him. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand and laid it on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly. So he knew that he was crossed in his hands. He knew what he was doing. Manasseh was the firstborn, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. Let my name be named upon them in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. Let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that, that we can call you Abba, Father. That as Christians, we didn't receive a spirit of perfectionism or proving to you that we're worthy. God, we received a spirit of adoption by which we can say that we're family, that you're dad, and you're for us. God, we pray in this moment that you'd speak to us, that you'd lead us you'd guide us. In the mighty, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. I am uh, pumped. I'm excited for this word that we have today talking about fatherhood and Father's Day. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to preach this. I'm having church. I'm going home and uh, we're going to barbecue. And uh, I'm going to put my feet up. And uh, ain't no football on, no golf. There's actually nothing on, and I'm not watching reruns, but we're going to make this into a special, special Father's Day. Normally on a Father's Day as you're preaching, you're, you're, you're straddling the line of celebrating and honoring fathers, but also understanding that, that not everybody has a good sentiment when it comes to Father's Day. And the same thing as it is with Mother's Day. There's so many different uh, angles that people have when it comes to family relationships. Some of you have been fortunate, like I have, to have godly fathers and, and fathers that have led you and guided you in the wisdom of God. Some of you have a strange relationship with your father or, or no relationship with your father whatsoever. Some of you are desiring to be fathers and, and that desire has not yet come to pass. But I'm telling you, wherever you fall today, wherever you find yourself, God has something special. God has something in store for you. And I'm telling you, you're going to walk out of this message feeling more blessed and more favored, more joyful and more encouraged by God's presence than you ever have felt before. That's a pretty bold statement, Corey. That's, that you got, you, if you're going to start a message like that, you got to come with it. But, but I'm, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit. I don't got to do nothing. He's going to do it all. Uh, yeah, that's how I got out of that. 
you just pin, pin it on God. Uh, today, I want, I want to preach something just a, a little bit different. I, I, I was going to preach a message called, I think I like my kids. I think, I think I like my kids. Well, we're in this, Corey, don't judge me. He's already judging me. Uh, we're in this series called I Think I Like uh, People, and I was kind of playing off of that. I wasn't playing off of that. I'm just being honest. Sometimes I think I like my kids. Sometimes I'm not really sure. That's not something you could say on Mother's Day, but it is something that you could say on Father's Day. I think I like my kids. But I realized that that was very insensitive, and I shouldn't even mention it in the message. So that's not the name of the message. The name of today's message is The Power of a Father's Blessing. The power of a father's blessing. So many of you fathers right now, you find your, yourself in the throes of fatherhood, in the throes of raising children. And, and just in case you don't know, now you know, being a father is stressful. <laughs> like, it, it, is no, it is no picnic. It is not for the faint of heart. You, first of all, you have to be a, a great husband, a, a great spouse, or, or a great employee and a great friend. And you, you have to provide for your family, put a roof over their head, and all this other kind of stuff. It's like all these different things are, are pulling at your energy, pulling at your attention. But you also have to be present in your children's life. You, you have to not just put clothes on their back and food in their stomach but you, you have to shape their character. You got to make sure that they're a productive member of society. You got to make sure that they don't talk back to your mama. Can, can I tell you what Zoe did this week? Not this week. Somebody said, uh-oh. By the way, I only have a statute of limitation to talk about Zoe, and then she's going to realize that I'm talking about her. But uh, this week, I was literally standing in the kitchen, and, and her, her mom said, Zoe, put that away. It's not time for toys. And Zoe says, oh, this isn't a toy. This is, and she went on to explain what it was and completely ignored her mother and kind of just went on about her business. The child is three years old. And, you know, sometimes you got to catch yourself because, you know, you're, you're, you're a man of God. You ain't going to disrespect my wife like that, though. And I'm like, ain't no three-year-old. And I had to kind of just woos off for a moment. But I, I learned from the best. I learned from my dad. So I've, I've, I've adopted the father's voice. So I'm just, Zoe, you should see that child. What did your mother say? <laughs> I kind of like kind of flex it just a little bit. She should have listened to her mama, but we'll talk about that on Mother's Day. That ain't for Mother's Day right now. But it's so often that I have all these different things that I have to do, and I'm stretched in, in all of these different directions that, to be honest with you, sometimes as fathers, we can forget the value of our role, not just to our children, but I dare say to society. That a father pre presents something, a father provides something that I'll be bold enough to say is irreplaceable. Now, I get that not everybody here is a father and you're just like, man, I'm click. This ain't got nothing to do with me. I ain't a papa. This is all for the dads or whatever it may be. But here's why it's so important to understand the blessing that only a father can bring, the favor that comes from a father's life. Because no matter whether you're a man, whether you have children, a woman, or whatever it may be, you have to understand that you have a heavenly father. And that your heavenly father speaks favor and speaks a blessing over your life. And if you don't understand the integral part that a father has in you maximizing all that God has called you to be, you will be working harder than you need to work because you'll be working without the favor, the blessing of a father. So I'm going to take just a few minutes and just unpack the, the blessing of a father. In this passage that we're reading, we find a scene that honestly happens quite often throughout the Old Testament. 
It's that moment when a father is coming to the end of his life and, and, and he's speaking a blessing over his children. In this circumstance, he's speaking a blessing over his grandchildren. Abraham did the same thing with his son Isaac. Isaac did the same thing with his son Jacob and Esau. And here it is, Jacob called Israel that's speaking a blessing over his grandchildren. He had actually been separated from his son Joseph for over 20 years. And in this moment, as he was re-entering into his son's life, found out that his son had two sons. He had grandsons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And in this moment, the scripture says that he spoke a blessing over his grandchildren's life that impacted them, as the song said, for a thousand generations. Here's what it said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 21. It says this, by faith, Jacob when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. So get this picture. Here is Jacob, and he's leaning on his staff with his arms crossed, worshiping God, and he's pronouncing a blessing over his grandchildren. And I'm telling you, the words that he spoke shaped their lives forever. Not only am I fortunate enough to have a phenomenal father, but I was fortunate enough to know both of my grandfathers. Both of them have since passed away, and, 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 and both of them actually passed away at a pretty young age, way, way too soon. But, but I remember uh, my grandfather, my, my father's father, uh, he, he, he was an observant guy and, and kind of just slick. And, and I, I never heard it myself, but my dad always tells me that my granddad would just constantly talk about me in a good way. And he literally said that Stephen, I don't know if this is a good way, but this is what my dad said he said. He said, Stephen is going to do something great. He's either going to tear something great down or he's going to build something great up. I don't know. I was a little ratchet back then. He said, I don't know which angle it's going to go, but it's not going to be small. It's not going to be average. It's not going to be insignificant. It's going to be notable. It's going to be great. Watch this. I didn't even hear my granddad say it to me. My dad told me what my granddad said. And I'm telling you, for years and years and years, it's almost like subconsciously I was living out this life because granddad said I was going to be great. Granddad said that I was going to do something that was noticeable, that, that, that caught the attention of my generation. You have to understand, it's not just words, but a father, a grandfather has the ability to speak a blessing over your life in a way that catapults you through barriers, catapults you through discouragement or setback or whatever it may be. There's an extra little grace on your life when you're walking in the blessing of a father. So today what I want to do is, is for the fathers is I want to give you just three reasons why Jacob's blessing wasn't empty words, but that his blessing actually resulted in catapulting his children and his grandchildren forward. And you say, man, I'm not a father. Well, hear me. You have the ability for your life to be a blessing to people around you, but it doesn't just happen through happenstance. I want to help you understand, how do I build a life that everybody who encounters me, they are catapulted for? It's kind of like the Midas touch. You ever heard that, that, that mythology of everything they touch turn to gold? I want to be the type of person that everybody who gets around me, they catapult folder. Every person that gets around me, that, that they step forward, that their life accelerates in all that God has for them. So the first thing I want you to write down is this. My faith blesses generations. 
My faith blesses generations. It says that by faith, Jacob laid his hands on Ephraim, the youngest, and Manasseh, the oldest, and he blessed them. But he didn't just speak words. It was the foundation of his faith that put something tangible behind his blessing. You know, I find when it comes to faith, so many people, when they think about faith, first of all, they think about salvation. They think about repenting of their sins and confessing their, their belief in God. But especially in society today, which I think is, is a tact of the enemy, most people think faith is a personal th- thing. You know, my faith, I'm believing God for great things in this area, that area, whatever it may be. But, but it, it's just about me. I, I find that sometimes people don't even want to share their faith. Not in terms of sharing your your belief in God with other people and trying to evangelize other people, and that's another thing that people don't share, but oftentimes people don't share what they're believing God to do great in their life. It's almost like this, I don't want to stick my faith out there because if it doesn't come to pass or if it it doesn't happen, I'm going to be caught off guard, so I'm going to pray about it. I may even fast about it, but I'm, I'm going to just keep it to myself, and I'm not really going to tell anybody what I'm stretching my faith out for. But here's the thing, because Jacob had a security in his faith, his blessing, his impact on his grandchildren actually meant something. When, when I think about faith, and, and this may sound sacrilegious, but I'll clean it up at the end, as I always do, so don't worry. But when you think about faith, think about money. When you have money, I'll say it this way, when you have a lot of money, Corey, it's just a little different than when you're broke. <laughs> I don't have a lot, but I ain't broke anymore. And I tell you, I've been broke, and there is a stress that comes with not knowing how to meet your next bill or how am I going to provide for this or be able to pay for college or pay off that student loan or whatever. There's a stress that comes, but there's also a comfort and an ease that comes when you actually have money. When you have money, what used to be a catastrophe is now just an inconvenience. And I know everybody is kind of in their different financial journey, and maybe you're still in baby step one trying to save your $1,000 emergency fund. Maybe you're paying off debt or, or whatever it may be. Me and my wife have been on that journey our entire marriage. We're, we're finally debt-free. And, and I remember the time when a blown tire was the end of the world. Y'all don't, y'all don't know nothing about this, Corey. You, you, you balling out of control. You don't know nothing about this. I, you remember when you had a blown tire and, you're, and it, it like blew your whole life? You're just like, really, is this what I need right now in my life? And I don't know about y'all, but there was this shop down on Route 40 in Catonsville that used to sell used tires. Come on now. You know you struggle. And I, I'd take my car down there. I'd pump it up. And, and you're driving on the rim, and it's like sinking as you're going. And you pull it, and you're like, I need a tire that only has like 500,000 miles on it. I just need a little bit of thread to put it back on there. I don't need thread, thread in my tire. I just need a tire that doesn't got a hole. Because in that season, that was kind of just where I was. Maybe you're there right now. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. There's something about having a little bit of money that just brings a little bit of peace to your life. I uh, was preaching overseas last year, and and, and the the group of people that brought me out, uh, they flew me first class, Erica. I ain't never flown first class before overseas. I, I went overseas a few other times. The, the time before that, I, I, was, I was in coach. I was, I was all the way in back. And, and if you've ever flown overseas in coach, you know the, the seat in front of you is here, and then your seat is here, and, and your knees are like right here, and you're sitting there for 15 hours. I tell you, this is not going to sound good, but by the time I got to where I was going, I had lost every inch of Holy Ghost in me. I was like, Jesus, you're going to have to save me before this service starts because I'm not in it. 
But so we fly first class and we got to the airport about two hours before the flight and they had a lounge. This is going to sound very elitist, but I can say it because it wasn't my money, so it was whatever. They had a lounge to separate you from the commoners. <laughs> and you go up in this elite lounge, and, and, and they fed you a full dinner in this before the flight. They had big screen TVs, lounge beds, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not there yet. I'll get there one day, but, but they had this, this person that would check your bags, and, and I checked my bags, and I'm like, where's my ticket? And he said, oh, you don't need a ticket. I'll remember your face. I said, I'll remember your face. <laughs> Go somewhere with my bag. They check your bag, and you sit down, and, and then after, you know, 30 minutes before the flight or whatever it may be, they, they let you go on the flight first. But you don't go through the door that everybody else goes through. They have a special elevator for you to go, and you go in. And, and, and when they took us to our, our, our seats, it was me, me and my wife, Zaya. We didn't have seats. We had a pod. It was like an entire little, you, you feeling the Holy Ghost, aren't you? <laughs> it's like this entire little room, and we sit down, and, and there's a pillow, and, and, and they bring you some, like, orange juice and champagne, and I don't know if I drank it or not. I'm not that's not the point for the message, but they bring you there. <laughs> and then after, the, you, you're in the air for about an hour or so, they say, would you like us to turn your chair into a bed? I said, say, what now? Y'all, the whole chair lays out flat. There's a pillow. It turns. They gave you pajamas. You actually got your own pajamas with like the, I was like, I, I, like Paul said, I've been rich and I've been poor. Well, Paul said, I've learned to be content with both. I say, I prefer to be, I mean, I was like, I didn't even know people live this way. It's like, man, and there's just a confidence that comes is, oh, first class, did you call me? That's my British accent. I think all British folks are uppity. If you're from the UK, God bless you. But uh, anyway, it's just something different when you, when you have something. Okay, pastor, hurry up. Let's make this not sacrilegious. That's why God said you can't worship both God and money. Because money, it, it makes you feel confident and secure. And God says that's great, but don't let that steal your confidence and security in me. Because money can only secure you up but to a certain extent. There is no limit to the security that God brings. We've all kind of seen this through this pandemic. It don't matter how much money you had. You was locked in your house. Corona don't cur what your net worth was. Everybody was just like, man, God cover me and protect me. What are you trying to say? Jacob was blessing his grandsons from a security of faith knowing who his God was, and it put some weight behind the blessing that he was speaking. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this, but without faith, it is impossible, not unlikely, not difficult, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hear me, fathers, if you're going to be a blessing to your family, if you're going to set your family to go further than you ever could, funding their college fund is not the only way that you do that. Making sure that they have a roof over their head, that they have food in their stomach. It's not the only way, and it's not even the most important way. The most important way is, am I leaving them a legacy of faith? It says, by faith, Jacob understood that when I speak, I'm not just speaking. But something supernatural is taking place in this moment. Here's what, he says. Here's what faith is. Faith is believing that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
In other words, faith is this. Faith is your belief of the greatness of God, but faith is also your belief of what that great God does. I find for so many people, they believe that God is a healer, but they struggle to believe that he's going to heal them. I believe that God is a provider, but I'm struggling to believe that he's going to resurrect my business that was decimated during this pandemic. Here's what faith is. God, I don't just know that you're the creator of the universe. I don't know that you're just a father, that you're just a healer, that you are the great I am that I am. I know that you are my I am that I am. I know that you are all that I need and more. And understanding who his God was and what his God could do, Jacob crossed his hands and spoke a blessing over his grandkids. I'm telling you, you need people in your life. You need fathers in your life who know who their God is. And when they say that you're going to be okay, when they say that door is going to open, when they say go for that interview, you're going to get that job, when they say, hey, you're going to be healed, they're not just saying it with empty words, but they're saying it knowing that the creator of the universe is backing every word that they speak. I love how the scripture said that there were prophets, that God would not allow one word that they spoke to hit the ground void. By faith, blesses generations. The second thing is this, my worship unlocks heaven. Now, I find sometimes when we read scripture, it it, it sounds like a great story, it sounds entertaining or whatever it may be, and we miss the awkwardness in this moment. Here is Jacob coming to the end of his life. The Bible said that he was so old that he was losing his eyesight. And he was meeting his grandsons, Manasseh and Ephraim, for the first time ever. Because it was there by faith. Here's Jacob. He's leaning on his staff. He's, he has his hands crossed. And, and he's blessing his grandsons. And then all of a sudden, he begins to worship. This is, this is pre uh, COVID-19, because I know now ain't nobody hugging anybody that they're not related to. But you ever been in one of those hugs that lasted too long? You know, just that awkward, okay, let me go whenever you're ready to let me go type deal. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's how Manasseh and Ephraim felt, just this awkward, what's happening in this moment? Then all of a sudden, as Jacob's blessing his grandsons, he just begins to worship and And it's like as if that moment he forgets about them. All I want is to live within your love. Good safe. Be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. Say, Lord, I will open up again. Throw my fear into the wind. I am desperate for a time. Can you imagine? You're just watching. Said all I want. I want is to live within your love. Be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. And Lord, I will open up again. Throw my Desperate for a touch of 
It's not just my faith that makes my impact on the people around me powerful. It's the fact that I'm a worshiper that makes everybody around me blessed by knowing me. Father, mother, daughter, child, whoever you are, if you would become a worshiper, I guarantee you, Everybody who encounters you is going to be catapulted forward, is going to be blessed as a result of knowing you. And I could just imagine in that moment what Jacob was thinking, and, and he's praying over his sons, and he's worshiping, and, he, and he's praying, and he's worshiping. And, and here's what I think he was bestowing or imparting to his grandsons. He was imparting an awareness of who God was. Because you see, for Jacob, you, you keep playing, I, I like that. Jacob was in the same awkward encounter that his grandsons were. Fast forward to Genesis 28, I believe. It was Jacob as a young man and his brother Esau and in his father Isaac was passing away and he was blind. And, and here's the thing. God had spoken over Jacob that Jacob would be a ruler. Except like many of us, we receive a vision or a dream for God, but we try to make it happen in our own strength. Because when it takes too long, we feel like God's forgotten about it. No, God promised me, you know, the desires of my heart, but I'm not married yet, so I have to go out and find my own husband and someone who's not a believer or whatever it may be because God's forgotten about this promise. Or God's forgotten this or God's forgotten that. So long story short, Jacob went out and he, he, he cheated his brother of the birthright that belonged to his brother, and, and he tried to make the plans of God come to pass in his own strength. And it actually cost Jacob, not his life, but the threat of his life. His brother Esau said, as soon as dad dies, I'm going to kill you. And Jacob ends up running for his life. And the night that he runs away from home because of trying to make things work in his own strength, he went to sleep that night in the wilderness under the stars. And here's what the Bible says happened in Genesis 28, verse 12. As he was sleeping, it says, then Jacob, he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending. So here is Jacob running for his life after he tried to do things in his own strength, and he has a vision of a ladder that touches earth and touches heaven, and angels are going up and coming down. Then it says in, in verse 16, it says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house or the gateway to heaven. This, this is the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Part of the blessing, the confidence that, that Jacob was bestowing to his grandchildren, Manasseh and Ephraim, he was saying, I'm praying that you would be aware of God's presence with you and the open heaven that you're standing under. I think, I think Jacob wasn't confident that his grandsons had encountered God's presence, so he said, I'm going to make sure that I bring God's presence to this moment right now. Hear me. Your children need a father that knows how to invite the presence of God into your home. All I want is to live within your love. Be undone by who you are. My desire is to know you deeper. 
I remember my, you, you guys know my dad, and, and he's a pastor. And I remember growing up, and dad, if you're watching, I love you, which means I'm going to say something bad about him. <laughs> I remember being in church, and my dad would be the loudest singer in the entire church. He wasn't on the worship team. He didn't have any microphone. I'm talking about big speakers, drums, the whole deal. And you just hear my dad blasting from the front row. And I'm just like, behold, he comes. Y'all don't know about that. Riding on a cloud, shining like the sun. At the trumpet's call, say, lift your it's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah. <laughs> and my dad is there. There's no God like Jehovah. But here's what that did for me. It taught me that real men worship. It taught me that there's nothing that is emasculating about getting down on your knees and lifting your hands and admitting that you're not the most powerful being on earth. And that without the grace and the favor of God on your life, you would not be able to do anything. In this moment, Jacob was trying to impart to his grandsons. Here's where confidence comes from. Confidence doesn't come from being the most intelligent or the most educated or the most articulate or the strongest. Confidence comes from knowing that heaven's armies back you, that you're standing under an open heaven. He says, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place place and I did not know. You know what a father's blessing does? It puts a confidence on you. It helps you realize that I'm not in this by myself. I don't have to kick in doors. I don't have to make this happen in my own strength. I don't have to make you like me. I don't have to make you accept me. I don't have to make you respect me. All I have to do is begin to worship and God himself is going to intercede. What Jacob was doing for his grandsons is he was giving them the cheat codes to life. Man, if you could just worship, boy, you can open heaven over any situation. The last thing is this. My, my faith blesses generations. My worship opens heaven. My story activates destiny. So, so, so here's, here's Jacob and and he's leaning on his staff. He's, he has his arms crossed. He's pronouncing the blessing over his grandsons. And, and he's worshiping and, and he's singing. And don't forget, y'all, it's awkward. Because at this point, he's pulled his grandsons, I mean, tight, tight, tight. And anybody who's fortunate enough to, to have known your grandparents, to have your grandparents, you know any grandparent worth their salt has a smell. Grandma has a smell. Grandpa has a smell. You look nervous. Is that disrespectful? That is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I say it. My grandma has an amazing smell. She smells like coconut and cassava and banana leaves. That's probably so disrespectful, but that's what I love her cooking for me. Every grandparent has a smell. And, and here's Jacob, and he has hands crossed, and Manasseh and Ephraim. And you just know how kids are. The Bible says they were knee high. This is like Roman and Zoe. And they're looking at each other like, my neck hurts. When's he going to stop? Pop-up smells. <laughs> and they're looking at each other. And you could just imagine Jacob is like, Because Jacob understood the power of this moment. 
and it's Jacob or Manasseh and Ephraim are, are kind of squirming and looking at each other. They begin to look at the staff that, that Jacob was leaning on. And they noticed that it wasn't a smooth staff, that it was actually a work of art. That there were all these images that were carved into the staff that Jacob was leaning on, and, and they're kind of like pointing and talking. What is, is that a bowl of soup? Why did Pop Pops carve a bowl of soup on his staff? <laughs> it looks like a ladder. Like people with wings walking up and down. Pop-ups is weird. And as they're studying this staff, and, you know, Jacob's gone. He's just all worshiping God. And he's in the, you know, the third heaven at this point. They're looking at, are those sheep on Pop-Pop's staff? I didn't know sheep had spots and speckled and stripes. What is this? And then they see this coat etched on the staff with stripes on it. Here's what you have to understand about, about this staff. It wasn't just a staff, but in that culture, the staff was a man's journal. And every time they had had a major life event, every time God did something great in their life, they would etch something different on that staff. And, and, and what they were looking at wasn't just a staff. They were looking at the journal of Jacob's life. They were looking at everything that he had encountered, everything that he had been through, everything that he had overcome. Here's the thing. When Jacob was blessing Manasseh and Ephraim, the authority of his blessing didn't just come from his faith. The authority of his blessing just didn't come from his worship. The authority of his blessing came from his story. And the fact that time after time after time after time again, he had seen the goodness of God in the land of the living. If you know anything about Jacob's story, it's not a perfect story. Jacob was a liar. He was a cheater. He was, he, he, he was a backstabber. But for some reason, every time he made a mistake, he found himself back at the feet of Jesus. Back in the presence of God. And here's what... Jacob was blessing his sons from a position of, boys, I've lived a long life. I've seen a lot. And here's what I know. Even in this moment of being reunited with my son after 20 years, there's nothing God can't do. There's no situation that won't work out for your good. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says they triumphed over the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus did, and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. In other words, here's what it says. They lived a victorious life, the people of God, because of what Jesus did on the cross, but because they spoke about who he was out of their mouth, even to the point where it cost them their lives. Notice it said they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Not the power of their presence, but the power of their words. Fathers, here's what I've discovered. Our kids need our presence, but what they really need is our words. They need us to hear us say out of our mouths, if it had not been for the Lord. 
Let me tell you about this moment that, that I made a wrong mistake, that, that I made an entire setback in my own life, but yet God came and turned that setback into a setup to propel me further than I ever thought I was going to be. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you how awesome he is. Let me tell you how great he is. I'm telling you, when you have a father in your life that has journeyed with God, that has experienced God, that has proven God, and he's able to speak over you, you're going to be okay. You're going to walk in the fullness that God has for you. Your best days are ahead of you. That door is closed now, but God is going to open it at the right time. He is going to heal you. When you have a father that has proven God and he's speaking confidence over you, brings a grace, it brings a confidence, it literally brings a supernatural favor on your life. As I said in the pre-show, Destiny Church is not a church that I planted, but my dad uh, planted this church 20-something years ago in 1997. And uh, early on, Erica, you probably know this experience with some of y'all pastor's kids, I didn't have no street cred. Like, Stephen who? <laughs> he was the tall, dark guy. <laughs> so literally, I would go into a place like, hey, I'm, I'm Reverend Ron Chandler's son. And I'm telling you, when I would drop his name, they'd move up. Oh, hey, hey, yeah, you, you, you sit here next to me. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just got just go drop. Some of you feel like, man, I, I don't have a name to drop. I haven't had a father that can speak that favor, speak that blessing, can open doors for me in the way that you're talking about. I believe that God brought you to this moment for two reasons. Because for the first, so you're going to realize that you have the ultimate father, God himself. That he's opening doors, that he's blessing you, that he's speaking, speaking confidence and favor over you in a way that you never thought possible. The second thing is this, as a spiritual father of this house, I've been praying and, and God has directed me today to speak a blessing over your life. That you would know that you're not in this by yourself, but you have a family that by the favor of God on me, on this house, that doors are going to open. So I'm speaking over you right now. You are blessed and you are not cursed. Your best days are ahead of you. They are not behind you. You will be blessed in your job. You'll be blessed in your home. Your children are blessed. Your grandchildren are blessed. Your finances are going to be blessed. I declare over your life that you are going to lead many people and you're going to influence even more. I'm telling you, God has placed gifts and talents inside of you that are going to bring you into great rooms, rooms of significance, rooms of influence. There is a favor on your life. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you've had setbacks, but because of who your father is, those setbacks are just going to be setups for a destiny that is above and beyond anything that you can ever act, think, or imagine. He's the God that is going before you. Don't worry about anybody stabbing you in the back because he's the God that is guarding behind you. He's going to bring favor. He's going to bring people. He is going to bring all that you need and more. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed and the favor of God is on your life. There's something about knowing that I'm blessed by my father, that your, your, your head goes up straight and your shoulders go back. And 
I'm telling you, that's supernatural. Know from this moment on, my father is for me, and he's already gone before me. He has made a way. Everything that I need, I already have through my father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, while we were orphans, while we were separated from you, God, that you loved us to the point where you sacrificed your only son so that we can be called children of the Most High God. God, I pray a favor. I pray a confidence. I pray a blessing over every single person under the sound of my voice. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you can pray this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? One thing you have to understand is that the Father's blessings only for the Father's children. That if you're not a child of God, that you're not walking in the blessings and the favor of God. How do I become a child of God? Well, here's the good news. He already did the heavy lifting. He literally sacrificed his only son, Jesus, on the cross to pay the penalty for every sin, every mistake that can separate us from the Father. All we have to do is respond to the cross. All we have to do is say, I accept your forgiveness. I want you to be my heavenly father. You said, I can't say that I'm a child of God right now, but I want to be right where you are. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Father God, thank you for wanting me, for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Be my Lord, be my controller, be my father. Bless me according to your word and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can you thank our Father that we are accepted, that we are children of the Most High God? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.